Chapter 2, Section 3 of Celebrated Crimes, Volume 2, The Massacres of the South. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia. Celebrated Crimes, Volume 2, The Massacres of the South, by Alexander Dumas. Chapter 2, Part 3. In requital of these bloody deeds, Cavalier took the chateau of Serrat, occupied the town of Suave, formed a company of horse, and advancing to Nimes, took forcible possession of sufficient ammunition for his purposes. Lastly, he did something which in the eyes of the courtiers seemed the most incredible thing of all. He actually wrote a long letter to Louis the Fourteenth himself. This letter was dated from the desert Cévennes and signed Cavalier, commander of the troops sent by God. Its purpose was to prove by numerous passages from Holy Writ that Cavalier and his comrades had been led to revolt solely from a sense of duty, feeling that liberty of conscience was their right, and it dilated on the subject of the persecutions under which Protestants had suffered, and asserted that it was the infamous measures put in force against them which had driven them to take up arms, which they were ready to lay down if his majesty would grant them that liberty in matters of religion which they sought and if he would liberate all who were in prison for their faith if this were accorded he assured the king his majesty would have no more faithful subjects than themselves and would henceforth be ready to shed their last drop of blood in his service and wound up by saying that if their just demands were refused they would obey god rather than the king and would defend their religion to their last breath roland who whether in mockery or pride began now to call himself comte roland did not lag behind his young brother either as warrior or correspondent he had entered the town of gangeth where a wonderful reception awaited him but not feeling sure that he would be equally well received at st germain and st andre he had written the following letters gentlemen and officers of the king's forces and citizens of st germain make ready to receive seven hundred troops who have vowed to set babylon on fire the seminary and the houses of monsieurs de frebregue de saracen de mole de la rouviere de mousse and de solier will be burnt to the ground god by his holy spirit has inspired my brother cavalier and me with the purpose of entering your town in a few days however strongly you fortify yourselves the children of god will bear away the victory if ye doubt this come in your numbers ye soldiers of st etienne bar and florac to the field of demergue we shall be there to meet you come ye hypocrites if your hearts fail not comte roland the second letter was no less violent it was as follows we comte roland general of the protestant troops of france assembled in the cevennes in languedoc enjoin on the inhabitants of the town of st andre of valborne to give proper notice to all priests and missionaries within it that we forbid them to say mass or to preach in the aforementioned town and that if they will avoid being burnt alive with their adherents in their churches and houses they are to withdraw to some other place within three days comte roland unfortunately for the cause of the king though the rebels met with some resistance in the villages of the plain such as st germain and st andre it was otherwise with those situated in the mountains 
in those when beaten the protestants found cover when victorious rest so that monsieur de montrevel becoming aware that while these villages existed heresy would never be extirpated issued the following ordinance we governor for his most christian majesty in the provinces of languedoc and vivarais do hereby make known that it has pleased the king to command us to reduce all the places and parishes hereinafter named to such a condition that they can afford no assistance to the rebel troops no inhabitants will therefore be allowed to remain in them his majesty however desiring to provide for the subsistence of the aforementioned inhabitants orders them to conform to the following regulations he enjoins on the aforementioned inhabitants of the hereinafter mentioned parishes to repair instantly to the places hereafter appointed with their furniture cattle and in general all their movable effects declaring that in case of disobedience their effects will be confiscated and taken away by the troops employed to demolish their houses and it is hereby forbidden to any other commune to receive such rebels under pain of having their houses also razed to the ground and their goods confiscated and furthermore being regarded and treated as rebels to the commands of his majesty to this proclamation were appended the following instructions one the officers who may be appointed to perform the above task shall first of all make themselves acquainted with the position of the parishes and villages which are to be destroyed and depopulated in order to an effective disposition of the troops who are to guard the militia engaged in the work of destruction two the attention of the officers is called to the following when two or more villages or hamlets are so near together that they may be protected at the same time by the same troops then in order to save time the work is to be carried on simultaneously in such villages or hamlets three when inhabitants are found still remaining in any of the proscribed places they are to be brought together and a list made of them as well as an inventory taken of their stock and corn four those inhabitants who are of the most consequence among them shall be selected to guide the others to the places assigned five with regard to the livestock the persons who may be found in charge of it shall drive it to the appointed place save and except mules and asses which shall be employed in the transport of corn to whatever places it may be needed in nevertheless asses may be given to the very old and to women with child who may be unable to walk six a regular distribution of the militia is to be made so that each house to be destroyed may have a sufficient number for the task the foundations of such houses may be undermined or any other method employed which may be most convenient and if the house can be destroyed by no other means it is to be set on fire seven no damage is to be done to the houses of former catholics until further notice and to ensure the carrying out of this order a guard is to be placed in them and an inventory of their contents taken and sent to marechal de montreval eight the order forbidding the inhabitants to return to their houses is to be read to the inhabitants of each village but if any do return they shall not be harmed but simply driven away with threats for the king does not desire that blood be shed and the said order shall be affixed to a wall or tree in each village nine where no inhabitants are found the said order shall simply be affixed as above mentioned in each place signed 
Marechal de Montrevel. Under these instructions, the list of the villages to be destroyed was given. It was as follows. 18 in the parish of Fruguer, 5 in the parish of Frissenet de Lazare, 4 in the parish of Grisac, 15 in the parish of Castagnol, 11 in the parish of Viala, 6 in the parish of St. Julien, 8 in the parish of St. Maurice de Vantelon, 14 in the parish of Fresol de Vantelon, 7 in the parish of St. Hilaire de la Ray, 6 in the parish of St. Andiol de Clergue, 28 in the parish St. Privat de Vallon, 10 in the parish of St. Andre de Lancis, 19 in the parish of St. Germain de Calberte, 26 in the parish of St. Etienne de Val Francesque, 9 in the parishes of Prunay and Montveillon, 16 in the parish of Florac, totaling 202. A second list was promised and was shortly afterwards published. It included the parishes of Fruguer, Pompidon, Saint Martin, Lansucle, Saint Laurent, Treves, Febron, Rhone, Barre, Montluzon, Bousquet, Labarte, Palme, Saint Julien d'Aspeon, Cassagne, Saint Croix de Val Francesque, Cabriac, Moissac, Saint Roman, Saint Martin de Robal, Le Melus Le Collet de Deze, Saint Michel de Deze, and the villages of Saliegue, Rampon, Ruas, Chevrière, Tourguisel, Genestou, Frisinet, Fork, Malbeau, Usanel, Campi, Campredan, Lou Albrey, La Croix de Fer, Le Cap de Costa, Marquière, Le Casseral, and Le Puyol. In all, 466 market towns, hamlets, and villages, with 19,500 inhabitants, were included. All these preparations made Marechal de Montreval set out for Aix, September 26, 1703, in order that the work might be carried out under his personal supervision. He was accompanied by Monsieurs de Vergeteau and de Marcilly, colonels of infantry, two battalions of the Royal Comtois, two of the Sossonnet infantry, the Languedoc Regiment of Dragoons, and two hundred dragoons from the Fimarcon Regiment. Monsieur de Julien, on his side, set out for the Pont de Montfer, at the same time with two battalions from Hainault, accompanied by the Marquis of Canaillac, colonel of infantry, who brought two battalions of his own regiment, which was stationed in Roergue, with him and Comte de Payre, who brought fifty-five companies of militia from Gévaudan, and followed by a number of mules loaded with crowbars, axes, and other iron instruments necessary for pulling down houses. The approach of all these troops, following close on the terrible proclamations we have given above, produced exactly the contrary effect to that intended. The inhabitants of the proscribed districts were convinced that the order to gather together in certain places was given that they might be conveniently massacred together, so that all those capable of bearing arms went deeper into the mountains and joined the forces of Cavalier and Roland, thus reinforcing them to the number of fifteen hundred men. Also hardly had Monsieur de Julien set his hand to the work than he received information from Monsieur de Montreval 
who had heard the news through a letter from Flechier, that while the royal troops were busy in the mountains, the commissards had come down into the plain, swarmed over La Camargue, and had been seen in the neighborhood of St. Gilles. At the same time, word was sent him that two ships had been seen in the offing from Set, and that it was more than probable that they contained troops that England and Holland were sending to help the commissards. Monsieur de Montrevel, leaving the further conduct of the expedition to Monsieurs de Julienne and de Canaillac, hastened to Set with eight hundred men and ten guns, and the ships were still in sight and were really, as had been surmised, two vessels which had been detached from the combined fleets of england and holland by admiral chauvel and were the bearers of money arms and ammunition to the huguenots they continued to cruise about and signal but as the rebels were forced by the presence of monsieur de montreval to keep away from the coast and could therefore make no answer they put off at length into the open and rejoined the fleet as monsieur de montreval feared that their retreat might be a feint he ordered all the fishermen's huts from Aigues-Mort to Saint-Gilles to be destroyed, lest they should afford shelter to the commissards. At the same time, he carried off the inhabitants of the district of Guyane and shut them up in the chateau of Somorez, after having demolished their villages. Lastly, he ordered all those who lived in homesteads, farms, or hamlets to quit them and go to some large town, taking with them all the provisions they were possessed of, and he forbade any workman who went outside the town to work to take more than one day's provisions with him these measures had the desired effect but they were terrible in their results they deprived the commissards of shelter indeed but they ruined the province monsieur de baville despite his well-known severity tried remonstrances but they were taken in bad part by monsieur de montrevel who told the intendant to mind his own business which was confined to civil matters and to leave military matters in his monsieur de montrevel's hands whereupon the commandant joined monsieur de julienne who was carrying on the work of destruction with indefatigable vigour in spite of all the enthusiasm with which monsieur de julienne went to work to accomplish his mission and being a new convert it was of course very great material hindrances hampered him at every step almost all the doomed houses were built on vaulted foundations and were therefore difficult to lay low the distance of one house from another to their almost inaccessible position either on the peak of a high mountain or in the bottom of a rocky valley or buried in the depths of the forest which hid then like a veil made the difficulty still greater whole days were often lost by the workmen and militia in searching for the dwellings they came to destroy the immense size of the parishes also caused delay that of st germain de calberta for instance was nine leagues in circumference and contained a hundred and eleven hamlets inhabited by two hundred and seventy-five families of which only nine were catholic that of st etienne de valfrancesc was of still greater extent and its population was a third larger so that obstacles to the work multiplied in a remarkable manner for the first few days the soldiers and workmen found food in and around the villages but this was soon at an end and as they could hardly expect the peasants to keep up the supply and the provisions they had brought with them being also exhausted they were soon reduced to biscuit and water and they were not even able to make it into a warm mess by heating the water as they had no vessels 
Moreover, when their hard day's work was at an end, they had but a handful of straw on which to lie. These privations, added to their hard and laborious life, brought on an endemic fever which incapacitated for work many soldiers and laborers, numbers of whom had to be dismissed. Very soon the unfortunate men, who were almost as much to be pitied as those whom they were persecuting, waited no longer to be sent away but deserted in numbers. Monsieur de Julien soon saw that all his efforts would end in failure if he could not gain the king's consent to a slight change in the original plan. He therefore wrote to Versailles, and represented to the king how long the work would take if the means employed were only iron tools and the human hand instead of fire, the only true instrument employed by heaven in its vengeance. He quoted in support of his petition the case of Sodom and Gomorrah, those cities accursed of the Lord. Louis the Fourteenth, impressed by the truth of this comparison, sent him back a messenger post-haste, authorizing him to employ the suggested means. At once, says Père Louvreuil, the storm burst, and soon of all the happy homesteads nothing was left. The hamlets with their barns and outhouses, the isolated farmhouses, the single huts and cottages, every species of building, in short, disappeared before the swift advancing flames as wild flowers, weeds, and roots fall before the plowshare. This destruction was accompanied by horrible cruelty. For instance, Twenty-five inhabitants of a certain village took refuge in a chateau. The number consisted of children and very old people, and they were all that was left of the entire population. Palmerola, in command of the Michelets, hearing of this, hastened thither, seized the first eight he could lay hold of, and shot them on the spot to teach them, as he says in his report, not to choose a shelter which was not on the list of those permitted to them. The Catholics also of St. Florent, Seneca, Rousson, and other parishes became excited at seeing the flames which enveloped the houses of their old enemies join together and arming themselves with everything that could be made to serve as an instrument of death, set out to hunt the conscripts down. They carried off the flocks of Perilat, Fontoreche, and Pahoya, burned down a dozen houses at the Collet de Dez, and from there went to the village of Brenot drunk with the lust of destruction there they massacred fifty-two persons among them mothers with unborn children and with these babes which they tore from them impaled on their pikes and halberts they continued their march toward the villages of st denis and castagnol very soon these volunteers organized themselves into companies and became known under the name of cadets de la croix from a small white cross which they wore on their coats, so the poor Huguenots had a new species of enemy to contend with, much more bloodthirsty than the dragoons and the Michelets. For while these latter simply obeyed orders from Versailles, Nimes, or Montpellier, the former gratified a personal hate, a hate which had come down to them from their fathers and which they would pass on to their children. On the other hand, the young Huguenot leader, who every day gained more influence over his soldiers, tried to make the dragoons and cadets de la croix suffer in return everything they inflicted on the huguenots except the murders in the night from the second to the third october about ten o'clock he came down into the plain and attacked Sommiers from two different points setting fire to the houses 
the inhabitants seizing their arms made a sortie but cavalier charged them at the head of the cavalry and forced them to retreat thereupon the governor whose garrison was too small to leave the shelter of the walls turned his guns on them and fired less in the hope of inflicting injury on them than in that of being heard by the neighboring garrisons the Camisades, recognizing this danger retired but not before they had burnt down the hotels of the cheval blanc the croix d'or the grand louis and the luxembourg as well as a great number of other houses and the church and the presbytery of saint amand thence the Camisades proceeded to Kaila and valvert into which they entered destroying the fortifications there they provided themselves abundantly with provisions for man and beast in valvert which was almost entirely inhabited by his co-religionists cavalier assembled the inhabitants in the market-place and made them join with him in prayer to god that he would prevent the king from following evil counsel he also exhorted his brethren to be ready to sacrifice their goods and their lives for the re-establishment of their religion affirming that the holy spirit had revealed to him that the arm of the lord which had always come to their aid was still stretched out over them cavalier undertook these movements in the hope of interrupting the work of destruction going on in upper Cévennes, and partly obtained the desired result for monsieur de julienne received orders to come down into the open country and disperse the Camisades. the troops tried to fulfil this task but thanks to the knowledge that the rebels had of the country it was impossible to come up with them so that flechier who was in the thick of the executions conflagrations and massacres but who still found time to write latin verse and gallant letters said in speaking of them they were never caught and did all the damage they wished to do without let or hindrance we laid their mountains waste and they laid waste our plain there are no more churches left in our diocese and not being able either to plough or sow our lands we have no revenues we dread serious revolt and desire to avoid a religious civil war so all our efforts are relaxing we let our arms fall without knowing why and we are told you must have patience it is not possible to fight against phantoms nevertheless from time to time these phantoms became visible towards the end of october cavalier came down to Uze, carried off two sentinels who were guarding the gates and hearing the call to arms within shouted that he would await the governor of the city monsieur de vergeteau near Luçon. and indeed cavalier accompanied by his two lieutenants ravenel and catinat took his way towards this little town between Uze and bargiac which stands upon an eminence surrounded upon all sides by cliffs which serve it as ramparts and render it very difficult of access having arrived within three gunshots of Luçon, cavalier sent ravenel to demand provisions from the inhabitants but they proud of their natural ramparts and believing their town impregnable not only refused to comply with the requisition but fired several shots on the envoy one of which wounded in the arm a commissard of the name of la grandeur who had accompanied ravenel ravenel withdrew supporting his wounded comrade followed by shots and the hootings of the inhabitants when they rejoined cavalier and made their report the young commander issued orders to his soldiers to make ready to take the town the next morning for as night was already falling he did not venture to start in the dark in the meantime the besieged sent post-haste to monsieur de vergeteau to warn him of their situation 
and resolving to defend themselves as long as they could while waiting for a response to their message they set about barricading their gates turned their sides into weapons fastened large hooks on long poles and collected all the instruments they could find that could be used in attack or defence as to the commissades they encamped for the night near an old chateau called fan about a gunshot from Luzon. at break of day loud shots from the town told the commissades that the expected relief was in sight and looking out they saw in the distance a troop of soldiers advancing towards them it was monsieur de Fergatat at the head of his regiment accompanied by forty irish officers the protestants prepared themselves as usual by reciting psalms and prayers notice without taking of the shouts and threats of any of the townspeople and having finished their invocations they marched out to meet the approaching column the cavalry commanded by catinat made a detour taking a sheltered way to an unguarded bridge over a small river not far off so as to outflank the royal forces which they were to attack in the rear as soon as cavalier and ravenel should have engaged them in the front monsieur de vergetot on his side continued to advance so that the calvinists and the catholics were soon face to face the battle began on both sides by a volley but cavalier having seen his cavalry emerging from a neighboring wood and counting upon their assistance charged the enemy at the double quick catinat judging by the noise of the firing that his presence was necessary charged also at a gallop falling on the flank of the catholics in this charge one of monsieur de vergetot's captains was killed by a bullet and the other by a sabre cut and the grenadiers falling into disorder first lost ground and then fled pursued by catinat and his horsemen who seizing them by the hair dispatched them with their swords having tried in vain to rally his men monsieur de fergetot surrounded by a few irish was forced in his turn to fly he was hotly pursued and on the point of being taken when by good luck he reached the height of gamen with its walls of rock jumping off his horse he entered the narrow pathway which led to the top and entrenched himself with about a hundred men in this natural fort cavalier perceiving that further pursuit would be dangerous resolved to rest satisfied with his victory as he knew by his own experience that neither men nor horses had eaten for eighteen hours he gave the signal far retreat and retired on seine where he hoped to find provisions this defeat mortified the royal forces very deeply and they resolved to take their revenge having learnt by their spies that on a certain night in november cavalier and his band intended to sleep on a mountain called Nague, they surrounded the mountain during the night so that at dawn cavalier found himself shut in on every side as he wished to see with his own eyes if the investment was complete he ordered his troops to fall into rank on the top of the mountain giving the command to ravenel and catinat and with a pair of pistols in his belt and his carbine on his shoulder he glided from bush to bush and rock to rock determined if any weak spot existed to discover it but the information he had received was perfectly correct every issue was guarded cavalier now set off to rejoin his troops passing through a ravine but he had hardly taken thirty steps when he found himself confronted by a cornet and two dragoons who were lying in ambush there was no time to run away and indeed such a thought never entered the young commander's head he walked straight up to them on their side the dragoons advanced toward him and the cornet covering him with his pistol called out halt you are cavalier i know you 
it is not possible for you to escape surrender at discretion cavalier's answer was to blow out the cornet's brains with a shot from his carbine then throwing it behind him as of no further use he drew his two pistols from his belt walked up to the two dragoons shot them both dead and rejoined his comrades unwounded these who had believed him lost welcomed him with cheers but cavalier had something else to do than to celebrate his return mounting his horse he put himself at the head of his men and fell upon the royal troops with such impetuosity that they gave way at the first onset then a strange incident occurred about thirty women who had come to the camp with provisions carried away by their enthusiasm at the sight of this success threw themselves upon the enemy fighting like men one young girl of about seventeen lucrece guillon by name distinguished herself among the others by her great valour not content with encouraging her brethren by the cry of the sword of the lord and of gideon she tore sabres from the hands of the dead dragoons to dispatch the dying catenat followed by ten of his men pursued the flying troops as far as the plain of calvisson there they were able to rally thanks to the advance of the garrison to meet them eighty dragoons lay dead on the field of battle while cavalier had only lost five men as we shall see cavalier was not only a brave soldier and a skilful captain but also a just judge a few days after the deed of arms which we had just related he learned that a horrible murder had been committed by four commissards who had then retired into the forest of bouquet he sent a detachment of twenty men with orders to arrest the murderers and bring them before him the following are the details of the crime the daughter of baron Meyrargues, who was not long married to a gentleman named monsieur de Merriman, had set out on the twenty ninth november for amboise to join her husband who was waiting for her there she was encouraged to do this by her coachman who had often met with commissards in the neighbourhood and although a catholic had never received any harm from them she occupied her own carriage and was accompanied by a maid a nurse a footman and the coachman who had persuaded her to undertake the journey two-thirds of the way already lay safely behind them when between Luson and Vaudra, she was stopped by four men who made her get out of her carriage and accompany them into the neighboring forest the account of what then happened is taken from the deposition of the maid we copy it word for word these wretches having forced us says she to walk into the forest till we were at some distance from the high road my poor mistress grew so tired that she begged the man who walked beside her to allow her to lean on his shoulder he looking round and seeing that they had reached a lonely spot replied we need hardly go any farther and made us sit down on a plot of grass which was to be the scene of our martyrdom my poor mistress began to plead with the barbarians in the most touching manner and so sweetly that she would have softened the heart of a demon she offered them her purse her gold waistband and a fine diamond which she drew from her finger but nothing could move these tigers and one of them said i am going to kill all the catholics at once and shall be gin with you what will you gain by my death asked my mistress spare my life no shut up replied he you shall die by my hand say your prayers my good mistress threw herself at once on her knees and prayed aloud that god would show mercy to her and to her murderers and while she was thus praying she received a pistol shot in her left breast and fell a second assassin cut her across the face with his sword 
and a third dropped a large stone on her head while the fourth killed the nurse with a shot from his pistol whether it was that they had no more loaded firearms or that they wished to save their ammunition they were satisfied with only giving me several bayonet wounds i pretended to be dead they thought it was really the case and went away some time after seeing that everything had become quiet and hearing no sounds i dragged myself dying as i was to where my dear mistress lay and called her as it happened she was not quite dead and she said in a faint voice stay with me suzanne till i die she added after a short pause for she was hardly able to speak i die for my religion and i hope that god will have pity on me tell my husband that i confide our little one to his care having said this she turned her thoughts from the world praying to god in broken and tender words and drew her last breath as the night fell in obedience to cavalier's orders the four criminals were taken and brought before him he was then with his troops near saint maurice de Cassaviel. he called a council of war and having had the prisoners tried for their atrocious deed he summed up the evidence in as clear a manner as any lawyer could have done and called upon the judges to pronounce sentence all the judges agreed that the prisoners should be put to death but just as the sentence was made known one of the assassins pushed aside the two men who guarded him and jumping down a rock disappeared in the forest before any attempt could be made to stop him the three others were shot the catholics also condemned many to be executed but the trials conducted by them were far from being as remarkable for honor and justice as was that which we have just described we may instance the trial of a poor boy of fourteen the son of a miller of saint christol who had been broken the wheel just a month before for a moment the judges hesitated to condemn so young a boy to death but a witness presented himself who testified that the little fellow was employed by the fanatics to strangle catholic children although no one believed this evidence yet it was seized on as a pretext the unfortunate boy was condemned to death and hanged without mercy an hour later a great many people from the parishes devastated by monsieur de julien had taken refuge in ossiargues in the parish of saint andre driven by hunger and misery they went beyond the prescribed limits in search of means of subsistence planck hearing of this in his burning zeal for the catholic faith resolved not to leave such a crime unpunished he dispatched a detachment of soldiers to arrest the culprits the task was easy for they were all once more inside the barrier and in their beds they were seized brought to st andre's church and shut in then without trial of any kind they were taken five at a time and massacred some were shot some cut down with sword or axe all were killed without exception old and young women and children one of the latter who had received three shots was still able to raise his head and cry where is father why doesn't he come and take me away four men and a young girl who had taken refuge in the town of la salle one of the places granted to the houseless villagers as an asylum asked and received formal permission from the captain of the soissonnet regiment by name laplace to go home on important private business on condition that they return the same night they promised and in the intention of keeping this promise they all met on their way back at a small farmhouse just as they reached it a terrible storm came on the men 
were for continuing their way in spite of the weather but the young girl besought them to wait till daylight as she did not dare to venture out in the dark during such a storm and would die of fright if left alone at the farm the men ashamed to desert their companion who was related to one of them yielded to her entreaties and remained hoping that the storm would be a sufficient excuse for the delay as soon as it was light the five resumed their journey but the news of their crime had reached the ears of laplace before they got back they were arrested and all their excuses were of no avail laplace ordered the men to be taken outside the town and shot the young girl was condemned to be hanged and the sentence was to be carried out that very day but some nuns who had been sent for to prepare her for death having vainly begged laplace to show mercy entreated the girl to declare that she would soon become a mother she indignantly refused to save her life at the cost of her good name so the nuns took the lie on themselves and made the necessary declaration before the captain begging him if he had no pity for the mother to spare the child at least by granting a reprieve till it should be born the captain was not for a moment deceived but he sent for a midwife and ordered her to examine the young girl at the end of half an hour she declared that the assertion of the nuns was true very well said the captain let them both be kept in prison for three months if by the end of that time the truth of this assertion is not self-evident both shall be hanged when this decision was made known to the poor woman she was overcome by fear and asked to see the captain again to whom she confessed that led away by the entreaties of the nuns she had told a lie upon this the woman was sentenced to be publicly whipped and the young girl hanged on a gibbet round which were placed the corpses of the four men of whose death she was the cause as may easily be supposed the cadets of the cross vied with both catholics and protestants in the work of destruction one of their bands devoted itself to destroying everything belonging to the new converts from beaucaire to nimes they killed a woman and two children at Campuget, an old man of eighty at a farm near bouillargues several persons at Cisseur, a young girl at Cassargue, a gardener at Nimes, and many other persons besides carrying off all the flocks, furniture, and other property they could lay hands on, and burning down the farmhouses of Clairon, Lube, Marine, Carlot, Campoguet, Miramont, La Bergerie, and Larnac, all near St. Gilles and Manduel. They stopped travelers on the highway, says Louvre Loyal and by way of finding out whether they were catholic or not made them say in latin the lord's prayer the ave maria the symbol of the faith and the general confession and those who were unable to do this were put to the sword in dion nine corpses were found supposed to have been killed by their hands and when the body of a shepherd who had been in the service of the sieur de roussier a former minister was found hanging to a tree no one doubted who were the murderers at last they went so far that one of their bands meeting the abbes de saint gilles on the road ordered him to deliver up to them one of his servants a new convert in order to put him to death it was in vain that the abbey remonstrated with them telling them it was a shame to put such an affront on a man of his birth and rank they persisted none the less in their determination till at last the abbe threw his arms round his servant and presented his own body to the blows directed at the other the author of the troubles in the cevennes relates something surpassing all this which took place at montaigu on the twenty second february 
There were a few Protestants in the place, he says, but they were far outnumbered by the Catholics. These being roused by a Capuchin from Bergerac, formed themselves into a body of cadets of the cross, and hastened to serve their apprenticeship to the work of assassination at the cost of their countrymen. They therefore entered the house of one Jean Bernois, cut off his ears, and further mutilated him, and then bled him to death like a pig. On coming out of this house they met Jacques Clas, and shot him in the abdomen so that his intestines obtruded. Pushing them back, he reached his house in a terrible condition, to the great alarm of his wife, who was near her confinement and her children, who hastened to the help of husband and father. But the murderers appeared on the threshold, and unmoved by the cries and tears of the unfortunate wife and the poor little children, they finished the wounded man, and as the wife made an effort to prevent them, they murdered her also, treating her dead body when they discovered her condition in a manner too revolting for description. While a neighbor called Marie Silliot, who tried to rescue the children, was shot dead, but in her case they did not pursue their vengeance any further. They then went into the open country, and meeting Pierre and Jean Bernard, uncle and nephew, one aged forty-five and the other ten, seized on them both, and putting a pistol into the hands of the child, forced him to shoot his uncle. In the meantime the boy's father had come up, and him they tried to constrain to shoot his son, but finding that no threats had any effect, they ended by killing both, one by the sword, the other by the bayonet. The reason why they put an end to father and son so quickly was that they had noticed three young girls of Bagnol going towards a grove of mulberry trees, where they were raising silkworms. The men followed them, and as it was broad daylight and the girls were therefore not afraid, they soon came up with them. Having first violated them, they hung them by the feet to a tree and put them to death in a horrible manner. All this took place in the reign of Louis the Great, and for the greater glory of the Catholic religion. History has preserved the names of the five wretches who perpetrated these crimes. They were Pierre Vigneault, Antoine Ray, Jean Dugan, Guillaume, and Gantanille. End of chapter 2 Section 3 Reading by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia